0: Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, welcome to this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On. Chicago Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers and the Lockdown Chicago Blackhawks podcast your first listen of the day. Well, it's Tuesday, December 21st, and if there have, there isn't a pandemic and a spread going around, it'd be a game day at the United Center uh, tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for people on the east coast central time 7 30 central but hey uh i wanted to still get this crossover done and i'm very thankful to bring in the host of the locked on chicago blackhawks podcast and my fellow buddy as well uh jack bushman jack how are you man
0: I'm doing good, Armando. Yeah. I wish our two teams were squaring off later tonight. But um hopefully they'll be able to reschedule that for sometime soon because uh it's been too long since our teams faced off. I'm for I'm happy we uh get to squeeze in the conversation here, though, to put out some content for you through this slow week. And it's actually a pretty slow week on my end, too, with the Blackhawks only having one game coming on Thursday against Dallas. So glad we get to uh get one out here for the fans real quick.
1: Absolutely. It's crazy because uh not only with uh, these two teams facing eight times last season and you and I conversing all those eight times, it's been, it's it's been, it's been strange going back to, to this routine of only seeing these two teams twice a year, especially with all the similarities of these two teams um, franchise wise of how they're built. Um, Of course, the, the Florida Panthers having Joe Quenville who of course resigned with the whole situation with Kyle beach and everything. And it, it, it's, it's crazy going back to this after what we experienced last season, but Hey, with the, it, it's not the worst thing in the world because uh, the, the players get to get healthy. Um, the players for the Panther side who are not COVID on the COVID list, get to be a little healthier, like Alexander Barkov as well. And for us hosts, we talked about this pre-recording um we get to get a little bit of uh, Christmas stuff done uh, before with uh, no games to be, uh, to be played and recording schedules being a little different.
0: Yeah. I freed up some time that uh, I definitely needed. I'm a little bit of a procrastinator, so I'm still getting some late Christmas shopping in. So having only one game this week allows me to get a little bit more done. Um, but yeah, man, I, I miss these two teams playing. I, I know it, it happened eight times only because of the, the COVID situation. And I don't want that to continue um, but yeah, it should be a fun one whenever these two teams do get together. And yeah, like I said, hopefully it'll be sometime soon because, uh, it's, it's odd going from being so regularly talking to each other, like you said, last season. And now here we are, we're almost into 2022 and this is the first time we've chatted and in, in seemingly forever, dude. So, uh, what's been going on with the Florida Panthers when they have been, uh, healthy the season, I've noticed they've always been towards the top of their division. Uh, what's kind of the mood around this Panthers team? Or are you confident this is going to be an, another strong season for Florida?
1: I, I'm, I'm confident it's still going to be another uh, strong season for Florida. Before this uh, pause in their season, they were on a three-game losing streak uh, coming off a Western, Western road trip in Colorado. Um, they've been really 500 on the road, really, um, this, whole, this whole season, but very uh, dominant at home, only losing. Three times at home this whole season against Seattle, Ottawa, and LA on the this recent, um, their last game on Thursday, which I think that that's a game that they shouldn't have played with seven players missing. But of course, you could argue so many different teams were missing so many different players and they shouldn't have played. So the LA game, I wish it was more of a full strength kind of game because I definitely would have thought that that outcome would have been a lot different had They, they have been at full strength, but the story of this season, the turnaround mostly has been Sergei Bobrovsky. Sergei Bobrovsky has not looked like the goaltender that he has been the first two seasons of, of his Florida Panthers tenure. He's in year three of that seven year deal. And it's widely talked about around the league of how bad that contract is. I, of course it, it, we can't deny how bad the contract is, but as far as what his play has been, um, especially towards the beginning of the season a little bit of a drop off recently but it's not the end of the world um he he is a little banged up right now but it's not the worst situation for the Florida Panthers based on the start that he has and he's always putting in the work off the ice as well so he has been the biggest story for this uh Florida Panthers team
0: yeah Sergey Bobrovsky 12-3-2 with a two four seven goals against average and nine seventeen save percentage, he's definitely played a lot better than he has, as you said, in those first couple of years where it made the the contract look even worse than I think everyone already knows it is. Uh, but what's been going on with Spencer Knight? I know came in came in real hot, um, but this year he struggled a little bit. Six four and two record, uh, save percentage below nine hundred, goals against above three. Is this kind of you know, just part of the development of being such a, you know, young netminder already in the NHL um, or what's, what's kind of been going on with Spencer Knight?
1: I think it's just a matter of um, getting an actual NHL season in because before when, when Spencer Knight was inserted last year, he had four regular season games and nobody expected him to even play a single playoff game. And then he gets inserted in game five and six and shines in game five with that four, one win over Tampa Bay. and. The The goal the goal at the beginning was to just put him in for one game when he made his debut against the Columbus Blue Jackets back on April 19th, the day before his 20th birthday. He made his first start at 19, a young goaltender at 19 years old. That's a tough ask for yeah. anyone. But um, this wasn't supposed to be the plan at all, like even to have him in this early. But the, the fact that he had a lot of success early uh, had a little bit of a drop off this season. He's now in the AHL with the with the Charlotte Checkers and first game back um in well not back, but first ever game in the AHL, he he goes 27 of 32. Not good, but hey, Carey Price, Carey Price before returning for the Stanley Cup playoffs with the Montreal Canadiens did not look uh good in the AHL when he when he returned. So, I'm not going to make too much of one start in the AHL for Spencer Knight and I'm very confident that he, he will bounce back because he does have I, I do think his floor is very high and we've seen what he he can be and we've seen we've seen it very early and it's just a matter of getting into the groove of an 82 game grind which is really what it is and it doesn't help that doesn't help what that with COVID and everything that when the season does resume that it's going to be more compressed whether we have the players going to the Olympics or not, it's going to be a lot tougher. And that's really what you're going to see based on everyone of how, how often is he going to play? um, How many back-to-backs each and every one of these teams are going to get down the stretch as well, because you're not going to put Bobrovsky starting two games in a row. And if you do, it's going to be very rare. So it's going to be a matter of, hey kid, you're going to be in because we have this compressed schedule coming up and and so we gotta we got we gotta really see what we got in this guy as well,
0: yeah, and I think it's a little bit easier to let him go through you know these struggles and just kind of understanding what it's like to be a professional at the n h l level when Sergey Bobrovsky is actually playing like he should be, like he's getting paid to, I think that can kind of relieve some of the pressure off, not only Knight, but also the organization. And, you know, having to decide what to do with him, it's like, oh, do we want to force this 20-year-old kid, even though he's struggling, do we want to keep him up here? I think that's a lot simpler of a conversation when you can trust Sergei Bobrovsky to be that number one netminder for the Panthers, right?
1: Absolutely. And and that's why you have a veteran like Sergei Bobrovsky there in the, in the first place to kind of... uh Um, help help the young goaltender and from the start of the season even before we even played a single game it was like you got to give the 10 million dollar man a chance to like lead the way for this Panthers team a two-time Vesna Trophy winner and a guy who's who's helped uh teams uh at least reach a different at least pass the first round in a playoff series I mean Sergey Bobrovsky was the goalie after all in that sweep of Tampa Bay just a few years ago in 2019 so a lot of uh a lot of uh Players, coaches, GMs can see like what this guy can really do. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get all the latest episodes all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers slash coverage not available everywhere or for all phones slash network. tboostmobile.com for details. But I want to ask you about a goal, your goalie situation in uh, Chicago. Uh, of course, they make the big splash. Well, not not really a splash because they didn't really give up anything for Mark Andre Fleury, and he gets his 500th win just recently. Um, and of course, early on in the season with Jer- um, Jeremy Colleton, um not just the voice of Jeremy Colleton hasn't really re- resembled uh, through the locker room. He gets he gets fired. In comes Derek King. They go on a little bit of a streak here. Uh, they get Seth Jones in in the beginning in the off season. The on the night of the draft actually. And how. How has the play in front of Mark Andre Fleury improved? Because I know, I know that the high-danger scoring chances for the Chicago Blackhawks, regardless of who's in goal, has been high. No matter who's been behind, but how has Mark Andre Fleury been that difference maker? Um, based on just coming off a of Vezina Trophy-winning season.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit of a tough start for Flower, and I I, I know that it's probably tough to come into a new team and have a new system in front of them and just be playing in a different place. You know, I'm sure that, that played a factor in his struggles early on in the season. And it was kind of interesting because once Jeremy Colleton got fired, it's like the switch flip for Marc-Andre Fleury, whether that be coincidentally or not, you know, who knows. But one thing that has been better under Derek King is that the Blackhawks, they have tightened it up defensively. They're playing way better in their own zone making the simple plays and and they're honestly have just kind of taken up a boring style it's not the most fun hockey to watch but that's what they need to do to keep them close in games and by not playing this kind of open style that like they were under Colleton where there's a lot of chances just back and forth uh, I think that's given Marc-Andre Fleury the opportunity to kind of survive a little bit back there and get more comfortable and under Derek King, he's posted uh, eight wins in 12 starts now. So he's really found his groove, and he's been one of the Blackhawks' best players and arguably the most important player during this run that they've had under Derek King to get their record a little bit better than it was earlier on in the season. Uh, Flower really brings it night in and night out, and you can tell why he's one of the, the most special goaltenders in NHL history. It was super awesome to be in attendance for his 500th win celebration a couple nights ago against Washington uh, he, he's such an awesome teammate, such a great competitor. And, um, it's nice to see him have this turnaround because you could tell it was frustrating him early on. He was getting pulled and starts, he got pulled in his return to Pittsburgh, just 10 minutes into the game. And it was like, man, you know, this isn't what Mark Andre Fleury thought he was signing up for when he joined the Blackhawks. So it's nice to see not only he have this turnaround, but the entire Blackhawks as a team. And it's kind of, I think, boosted everyone's spirits around the club and given them some belief that there is a chance to turn this thing around before it's too late.
1: Is the rebuild over or is it not?
0: Again, we're in a tough situation here because we still have guys like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Mark andre Fleury even is an older player that's making a bunch of money. Once those contract come, contracts come off the books, whether or not they keep Taves or, and Kane, um, I, I don't think Taze is going to get even close to that dollar amount, whether it be in Chicago or not. That's going to free up a lot of money, and that's going to give Chicago the opportunity, I think, to really decide what path they want to go on. I think as of the moment, you know, they they want to stay competitive with Patrick Kane and, and Taze and those guys still being having some good years left, you know, um, but they they needed Herculean effort here in the second half to get back into that playoff picture. And, and if they miss the playoffs here, once again, it's kind of like we're in the same position all over again. I think we have better pieces. Um, and this team, I, I think has the talent to perform better, especially if they could keep it up defensively. Uh, I, I really think the bottom scoring, the bottom six scoring, hopefully will come around sometime soon. That's been a big hinder for this Blackhawks offense. It's really only been the big guns doing all the work, you know, um, but it, it's really tough because some tough decisions are going to have to be made, and we don't even know who's going to be in the front office making those decisions. So it's kind of like this year for the Blackhawks is a year to figure out what they want to do, right? Do they want to keep Derek King as their head coach long-term? Do, do they want to keep interim general manager Kyle Davidson on? for the long haul. He's currently the front runner, according to Frank Saravali of TSN, but the Blackhawks are still doing their due diligence to look at every possible candidate that they can bring in. So with a lot of pieces still up in the air, I can't really say for sure if this is a rebuild or not. And I I think they kind of are just waiting to see how the chips are going to fall at the end of the season. And then they're going to make a bunch of tough decisions. And that I think will steer them in the direction that they want to go in.
1: I want to ask about Jonathan Taze. Um, He took a whole, not took a whole year off because he was hurt, but he he was unable to play last season in the in the fifty six game season comes back this season struggles uh to get on the board um and then he gets uh two goals in like a matter of like a week I think it is um do you think uh Jonathan Taze has turned the corner for this season?
0: yeah Johnny now has three goals in his last five games, so <laughs> after not finding the back of that through the first twenty five it's definitely been a nice uptick as of late but I really do think Taves, I'm not going to, this might sound crazy to some people, but I'm not going to rule him out that he comes close to scoring 20 goals this year, because even when, even when he wasn't finding the back of the net, he was playing those top, either the top line or second line minutes because he's still responsible defensively. He's basically the only center on this team that can win a faceoff, So you have to use him out there. And he was getting his chances. You know, he got robbed a bunch, hit the post several times that, could have been his first goal and you could tell it was taking a toll on him I mean he'd come back to the bench and slam his stick the media is asking him about asking him about it left and right so he really can't avoid it um but but I think if he just sticks with what he's been doing the chances are going to come it's just a matter of whether or not he's going to bury them right like he's been going to the danger areas around the net he's getting power play minutes I know the Blackhawks power play is going through a rough stretch right now but I really do believe if he's going to be out on the ice playing those big minutes with his abilities and his knowledge of the game, the speed isn't what it used to be. I don't think he can quite create and have the playmaking abilities that he once did, but he's still a talented player around the net and he knows where to go to score goals. So uh, I do think Johnny is finally getting it going here a little bit. And I think these, these, more productive games are going to come more frequently than they did in the first quarter of the season. It's just kind of unfortunate that it took him so long, you know, to, to get into the goal column. Right. And I'm sure that was so frustrating for him uh, just even because he, it's special that he's even able to come back. Right. And, and be out on the ice. You know, I think we take that for granted that that Johnny's even here, you know, mm. uh, people are making the most of his offensive struggles, but we're fortunate to even have the captain back. So uh, I'm glad to see him pick up the scoring. I do think it's going to continue on in that track. And I, I'm not ruling it out that Jonathan Tays could be one of the leading goal scorers for this Blackhawks team when it's all said and done, because I believe in his skill set, I definitely believe in his work ethic. Uh, and I think Derek King believes in him still a lot. So he's going to give Johnny those opportunities. And um, I, I really think he he can make the most of them and the Blackhawks need him to, because the scoring has been the biggest issue for this team this season. They just, they're averaging 2.3 goals per game, bottom three in the league. It's tough when you're averaging two goals a night. You're asking a lot of your goaltender and a lot of your defense, and that's really came back to bite the Blackhawks a ton recently.
1: line has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march for the playoffs. line remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new destination updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code LockedOn to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Online where the game starts. The Florida Panthers have also been in a little bit of a stretch where they've been missing uh, their captain. Not not out long term like Jonathan tase has been out, but it's crazy what literally the heart and soul of your of your team missing that guy can really do to to your team. And power play, it's funny because as far as power play percentage, the the Blackhawks are just a little bit better than the Panthers, despite their the the record that the Florida Panthers do have. It's just even strength that's is. Even strength scoring has been the strength of the Panthers most of this uh, season, but it's just they haven't been able to figure it out on the power play. And um, now now Barkoff um, has been the new quarterback on the power play for the Florida Panthers recently before he got hurt. So that's a little bit of an experiment that I'm really looking forward to see seeing when he does eventually uh, make his return, which the first game for the Florida Panthers will be December 27th against uh, Carolina as of right now. Um, no, no more uh, postponements have been announced as of this recording. But I'm really looking forward to it. And for uh, the Panthers' side of things, so you talked about whether this is a rebuild or not. You're not very sure. But the Chicago Blackhawks, with that Seth Jones trade on the night of the draft, they have no reason to tank. They literally have no reason to tank. They have a reason to go for it and win as many games as 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 they can. And Seth Jones, what I'm seeing is that he is leading this, uh, this team in assists. Um, a, a lot of the, there's a lot of scrutiny based on the contract length and the dot and the cap pit. Um, how has uh, Seth Jones looked uh, for, for you?
0: I honestly think Seth Jones has been phenomenal for the last month, month and a half, really ever since Derek King took over as well. He and Flurry were the two guys that have really flipped a switch and really turned it on. Seth Jones he can't control what the dollar amount is, right? He's given a contract. It's a ton ton of money. Who's not going to sign it? But he's done his job on the ice to live up to what people think he should be playing as for that dollar amount, right? He's been up near the Blackhawks' leading score, leading scorer for the majority of the season. He's been running the power play. When it has been going well, it's been mostly Seth Jones finding Patrick Kane or Alex to brink it. And he's been really good on both sides of the puck. He knows exactly when to jump into the play to lead to an odd man rush for the Blackhawks. And he's been reliable on the, in his defensive zone as well. And, and he's playing big time minutes. He's top five in the NHL and time on ice right now, 26, 27 minutes a game. And he's been really strong. Um, and I could honestly say he's probably the MVP of the Blackhawks since Derek King's come around, right? He's handled a huge role for this team night in and night out. And, The consistency issues were really what plagued him under Jeremy Cowlton. We saw the flashes early on, but it would be like every other game. It would be like, oh man, Seth Jones had two terrible turnovers that led to goals tonight. And it's, oh boy, maybe he wasn't worth this money, but he's really settled in now. I think he's getting more comfortable with his teammates and the system that the Blackhawks are running and he's handled it very well. I would give Seth Jones an an A or an A plus for his performance so far this season. He's one of the leading score uh one of the leading defensemen in scoring so far this season and one of the few players that can actually uh provide and create for this Blackhawks offense. So I I've been thrilled with what I've seen from Seth Jones, Armando and um it's actually kind of funny because a, a lot of people on Twitter earlier on in the year were I mean Seth Jones was the talk of hockey Twitter for a while there and with his play over the last month I've seen a lot of people uh, kind of sh- shut their mouths about um, whether or not that was a good or bad deal for the Blackhawks. So I think that's a pretty good sign that Seth's been doing his job for the most part for the Blackhawks this season.
1: And including this year, he's uh he's at least a Chicago Blackhawk for the next uh, nine seasons. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely something that um, the Chicago Blackhawks should um, are definitely invested in and was, was the breaking point for uh, Jeremy Collinson when he handed over the clipboard uh, and designed the power play of, had his team uh, design the power play. Was that the breaking point? Do you think?
0: That was a bad one for sure. I literally have never seen that happen. Um Me and my friends were talking in our group chat and we were just like, did that really just happen? Like, did he really just hand the boys the he's Like you guys draw it up. I can't do anything right now. It, it was weird. Um But no, nah, I, I think the official breaking point was uh the Blackhawks were one, eight and two. They had just picked up their first win against the senators a couple of days prior. and they were in Winnipeg to take on Jets team. They really needed to come out strong and obviously losing um, 10 of the first 11 games you kind of need a sense of urgency to pick up some victories here before things get ugly in a hurry. And what happened in that game? I think it was a Friday night against the Winnipeg Jets a minute in Jets jump ahead. One, nothing minute later, the jump ahead two nothing. And it was like, okay, at that moment we know, Jeremy Colleton's message isn't resonating with the players. Like, there's no excuse at that point for the team not to come out guns a blazing and to f- surrender two goals in the opening two minutes en route to your 11th loss in the opening 12 games. It was like something's going to have to change here. And uh, eventually, interim GM Kyle Davidson was the one that actually made the decision to fire Colleton. And I felt for Jeremy. I think he kind of wasn't ready to be an NHL coach. If you go and look at his, history as a a coach. It's not very extensive. He really had only coached for a couple of years over in Sweden before the Blackhawks. Stan Bowman handpicked him to be uh, Joel Quenville's replacement, excuse me. And I, I just didn't think he was ever the right guy for the job. And I don't blame him because he has been exactly dealt the best hand even early on the season the Blackhawks dealing, as you know as well Armando were dealing with a lot with the lawsuit from Kyle Beach and Jeremy Carlton was the one that had to answer to the media night in and night out even though it really he had nothing to do with that situation so I felt for him because I knew it it just wasn't the right situation for for him to succeed in Um, but at the end of the day he really hadn't accomplished much in the three years that he had been there I think that was kind of the bigger picture and I think Kyle Davidson recognized to cut it was the smart decision to cut this thing off before we just kind of kept going in the same direction for even longer you know and and risked putting more of the season in jeopardy than we already had at that point so. It was a tough call, but I think everyone in Chicago agrees it was the right call. And Derek King's really, I think, come in and been a breath of fresh air for this Blackhawks team and kind of let them be relaxed, play more to how they want to play, their style, a little more free on the ice, not worrying about the system as much like Jeremy Colleton did. And we've seen some results here so far. The Blackhawks are uh, 10, what are they now? They're 11, 15, and four on the season. So they're 10, 6, and 2 under Derek King. Can't really argue with the results, the consistency issues remain, but we are heading in the right direction. I think uh, definitely since uh, King took over and um, I I really hope that we can just keep up this mentality of being a scrappy team, wherever we go, just play competitive games. I think that's what we need to see and the offense, hopefully eventually will be able to pick it up and bail out our goaltending. So uh, I I think Derek King was a breath of fresh air again. And um, Jeremy Colleton, Ultimately, just wound up not being the guy in the right situation, Armando.
1: That's going to be all for part one of this two part conversation with myself and Jack Bushman of the Lockdown Chicago Blackhawks podcast. So, check out part two on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Panthers, where we'll be continuing the conversation with Jack Bushman of Lockdown On Blackhawks. So in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumped into your podcast feed. Make sure to also subscribe to Locked On NHL on the Tech NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, who will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you once again for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And now for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Bets. Your one-stop shop for all things gambling. Locked On Bets. Hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, so subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Sorry, my mom with Jack Bushman. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.